braced against the back of a chair. The old man had come to him a month ago. No, five weeks it was, and told him what Doc Johnson had said. They had sat in the sheriff's office, not wanting to look each other in the eye. Deke had hidden his pain behind that bottle of laudanum. He hated that. Drinkwalter could see the old man's revulsion every time he downed a teaspoonful of the foul-tasting liquid, but Deke had started his journey through life seventy-three years ago, and he was too worn to carry the pain alone. Another gust of wind shook the sheriff as though to get his attention. His eyes skipped across the cemetery, stopping for a moment at the ornate tombstones carved from sandstone quarried north of town. He peered at the angelic figures through eyes squinted almost shut against the wind. Seraphs or cherubim, he supposed, not knowing what either looked like and wondering how the artist did. He almost mistook Matt McPherson for one of the stones. The boy was dressed drab as sandstone, and he stood as still, leaning into the wind. Tall for his age he was, but skinny as a rail. The wind shuffled and reshuffled the leaves of the boy's notepad like a gambler absently shuffling a deck of cards, waiting for a rube to step through a saloon door. The wind stopped to catch its breath, and Peabody's words filled the vacuum. Dust to dust and ashes to ashes. The sheriff wondered how many times that litany was being repeated into bitter winds around the world. The dust stinging his nose might be from some other John Deacon's long dead, doomed to blow about forever in this damnable wind. Peabody's droning stopped. The sheriff nodded to the other pallbearers. Including the sheriff, there were three on either side of the coffin. They reached down, each taking the ends of three ropes set at regular intervals beneath the coffin. The pallbearers leaned back, the muscles of their shoulders and necks straining with the weight of the coffin and the earthly remains of John Deacon's. Easy, boys. Don't dump old Deke. The pallbearers shuffled along until the coffin hung over the grave. Drinkwater nodded, and the pallbearers let the rope slip slowly between their fingers, letting John Deacon's settle into his final resting place. The coffin had hardly settled, when Shorty, the gravedigger, began raining dirt down on the old man. Drinkwalter's jaw clenched and then eased. He couldn't blame Shorty for wanting to get out of the wind. The sheriff nodded once more to his old friend and then turned to the black carriage the undertaker threw in with even the pine box funerals. He saw the boy turn, too, taking his first steps toward the long walk back to town. Mac. The word fluttered and died in the wind. Mac! The boy turned, and Drinkwalter motioned him back. The boy came, shoulders turned in, arms pulled tight against his chest for warmth. He was shaking with the cold, his teeth clamped shut to keep them from rattling. The widow McPherson did the best she could for the boy, but it wasn't easy to be a grass widow in Eagle's Nest. Might as well ride with us, Mac. Got a blanket in the carriage to get out of this damn wind. The boy wavered, and then his jaw set. Walked out here. Doesn't mean you have to walk back.
McPherson shook his head. He hadn't asked for any help, and he didn't need any. The boy turned his back to the wind, setting cold, stiffened muscles to the task of carrying him back. The sheriff shook his head, watching for a moment, as the boy urged his muscles into a mile-eating jog. Tough little nut. Drinkwater climbed into the carriage, the leather springs creaking with his weight. The sheriff sat in his office, more a cubbyhole, really, in the county jail. A barrel-bellied stove was working overtime by the door, but the building was built of the same sandstone hewn into tombstones at the cemetery. It always seemed cold and damp, as though the Italian stonecutter had carved a cave and set it next to the courthouse.